1: Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So the, the player's name on the back of his jersey, I'm telling you, I watched the highlights, Kellen. It says Nacho. 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 That's incredible. Was his defense partner Cheese? Yes, he was him and Cheese on, on defending for Spain. That's awesome. Spain 3, Portugal 3 at the World Cup. The two rivals going at it. Uruguay beat Egypt 1-0. Iran beat Morocco. One 0 U.S. Open. I uh, gave this list: Woods, Spieth, McIlroy, Day, and Garcia. Cut. All didn't make it. Dustin Johnson has the lead. He's four under. Piercy and Hoffman four shots back. Justin Rose hanging around. He's five off the lead in a big group there. Shinnecock Hills playing tough. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6:30. Chad. I'm pleased to be joined in studio by the head coach of the Easlerone Roosters. In the DEL, that's the German League, Rob Dom, Rob, good to see you. No, thanks, Reed. Thanks for coming by. Uh, it's good to uh, good to catch up with you. We've done this, uh, well, We, you and I have been talking for a while now. You and I have been talking for 20 years off and on. That's correct. Because 98-99, yeah. uh, while well, I was going to Nate, uh, a young man by the name of Bob Stoffer said, why don't you come host intermissions on CJSR and go talk to the coaches every once in a while? So for some reason, they still let me speak into a microphone. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, a lot of you remember Rob during his incredibly successful tenure uh, with the U of A Golden Bears, continuing a great tradition there. And Claire Drake has a lot to do with that. He was remembered yesterday, and it uh, sounds like it was quite an event.
0: It was fantastic. Um, the athletic department did a terrific job of paying homage to, to Coach Drake. And, and anyone that's been involved with the Golden Bear hockey program has played for Claire you know not directly but all the people that have coached um uh, in, in that organization have all either played for Claire or been in close contact with Claire so despite the fact that they haven't necessarily played directly for him they've all been influenced by him and I mean he built the program everybody understands and knows that um, and everybody just tries to do whatever they can to to keep it at a high level and that was a a lot of ex-players were there, a lot of hockey dignitaries and other parts of the hockey world were there, and it was um, a, a, a terrific afternoon, despite the circumstances. Usually those those type of things can be very depressing. This wasn't at all. It was a celebration of life, and it was definitely that.
1: It's amazing with, with university sports. I mean, I guess let's take the Montreal Canadiens of the 1970s. We all know Scotty Bowman's impact, and he's still celebrated but it doesn't necessarily have a lot to do with what the current Montreal Canadiens are doing Claire's, like you've referenced, Claire's impact is still, I mean Ian Herber has talked about meeting him for coffee a few years ago at Tim Hortons and coach Drake shows up with a notes on penalty killing and then is drawn plays on napkins. Like It's, it's amazing.
0: Well, that was, that was just the type of person that he was. He was continually coaching. Uh, and, and it's been said many times, he was way ahead of his time and there's no debating that things that he was doing when i played there which is hundred years ago are now commonplace uh... at the highest level of hockey and and they weren't at that time the game has changed dramatically uh, and he was doing the things that they do now then and um, and he's had an influence not only at the university of alberta which everybody is very aware of but he's had influences as as many coaches would attest to uh, coaches all throughout uh, the world Uh, at the highest levels and and uh he was definitely a man that was ahead of his time a pioneer um and uh everybody benefited having known him
1: now was that because a lot of people and i'm not saying it was just this but a lot of people emphasize the penalty killing when they talk about his but what what would you was that would that be it for you or what would you say stands out maybe for you know for the average fan listening
0: well, he he just had it. Uh, he I mean, I, I the penalty killing is one thing that everybody is, has referenced. But I mean, he wasn't strictly a penalty kill guy. He he knew the game inside and out, all parts of it. Um, I mean, whatever part of the game you want to discuss, he was an expert on it. And um, so he may be. Uh, people have reached out to him because of of the penalty killing for whatever reason. I'm not sure why they've they've uh, centered on that. But they could have equally have done that for any part of the game, and, and received the same type of uh, uh, intelligent uh, advice and and what have you in any in any part of the game. So um, he was just uh, he was a hockey genius.
1: Rob Dom joining us on Inside Sports, uh, former Golden Bears coach, remembering Claire Drake, his celebration of life yesterday, and uh, your year was uh, was an interesting one as you coached the Easley Roosters uh, in Germany, top uh, great European league. Now uh, you had been coaching in Austria for several years, had a, had a good run there. Was it five seasons you wound up there? Six seasons. Six seasons you wound up there, which is pretty good life. Uh, <laughs> A pretty good run for a coach in any in any league they go six seasons uh, now you but you started this year without a coaching job correct and then you went over mid-october to take over the roosters and obviously they they hadn't done well out of the gate. What what's that experience like stepping in teams probably little little down in the dumps and now you got to go in and uh take over a group of guys who maybe aren't feeling good about themselves.
0: Well, it's it's a really interesting experience. This is the second time that I've done it. I did it uh, once in the oiler organization when I went to Springfield uh in February to to uh uh take over the the American League team and it's you're right. you're usually what well, you're you're always coming into a desperate situation. When I went to Easerloan, they hadn't won a home game yet. Oh. so usually there if if anything, you're having some type of success at home. They had marginal success on the road, but they hadn't won a home game uh, the entire time that uh, that I until I got there. it's uh, it's um, it's really it's it's really difficult. To to describe the, the circumstances, you just have to go in and you can't do as much as you want because you're in the middle of a season. And this year in the, in the DEL, the, the regular season was really condensed because of the of the uh, Olympic break. Mm-hmm. So there was even less time to uh, put in the things that I wanted to put in to make the changes that I wanted to make. So you just uh, chip away at it. Uh, the most important thing is, is that when you do come in, you've got a captive audience. Uh, they've just had someone removed... Uh, Obviously, that's an act of desperation, um, and the players in, in, in the cases where I went in, it's only been a couple, but they're usually open to trying to turn things around, and that's a positive thing, and, and um, so you uh, you go in, um, and my perspective was I had a plan as to how I wanted to have things done, and then I wanted to implement that as as quickly as I possibly could. But the biggest thing is it's not the, the dealing with the things that are happening on the ice you have to deal with the attitude and as you mentioned um, teams are normally down and uh, hopefully the the change picks them up a little bit and then if you can um, provide some things that have a little bit of success then you can maybe gain some momentum moving forward
1: I, I'm curious I, I love I love this question about how you as a coach work on the attitude because I as I'm sure you know, Wally Buono is an outstanding interview, coach of the BC Lions, CFL legend, and he always says I don't prepare players for games. A lot of these guys have been playing football since they were 6, 7 or 8 they know when they need to tie their shoes they know if they need to read a book up until kickoff or break a few pop machines um, but the coach can, can set a tone so how is your approach towards attitude and player preparation, how do you try to influence it?
0: Well I think what you need to do what you, and, and I agree 100% with what you just said the, the player, as an individual, he has to prepare himself to play. And, I mean, you always hear that, oh, the coach came in and he motivated the team. And I don't, uh, the coach comes in and, and he says some things, but the players motivate themselves. Whether they react to the coach's comments, that's their choice. They don't have to be motivated by what what someone says to them. They have the decision on their own to make that choice. So I agree that that the players um, are the ones that prepare themselves for the game. As a coach, you prepare your team, mm-hmm. which is the, the entire mass of your uh, of your of your. Personnel, You have a game plan. And uh, the expectations are that the players will play to that game plan. And, and uh, so from my perspective, you come in and you set some parameters. You set your expectations very quickly. And then you give them the uh, – because coaching, and we've talked about this I think before, it's about having the players understand what you want and then holding them accountable. To give you what you want, and so they they can't be held accountable until they know what your expectations are and what you want from them. So that's the first thing. And when you come in new, you have to be real quick to establish what you want, and then uh, move forward from there.
1: Rob Dom joining us in studio. He's going to stick around because I want to ask you about the quality of play. You've coached in a couple of European leagues. That's always an interesting one. It is 7:15 inside sports on Chet. <laughs>
2: This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins
1: on 630 Chat. Good game by J.C. Sheriff last night. Missed almost all of last season with an injury. Remember, he got hurt in the very first game. He was strong last night. Did a good job on Andrew Harris. Eskimos pulled it out 33-30. Home opener one week from tonight against Hamilton. And remember, 70th season for the Eskimos, the 50-50 draw will start at $70,000. For that game. And we love our 50 50 in Western Canada. So it's going to get big. My name is Reed Wilkins. Rob Dom joining us in studio, coach of the Easerloan Roosters in the German League. Uh, so, is that a 14 team league? And you took over when they were poor. You got as high as fifth, I think. Wound up, uh, what was it, ninth, and then you lose the the qualification round to get into the top eight.
0: Yeah, we actually finished. We finished eighth.
1: Well, finished eighth. Yeah, sorry, so
0: seven, to, seven through ten.
1: Oh, we do a qual- play-in, and okay. the top
0: six teams make the playoffs, um, and then we, uh, you know, we lost in that in the play-in, but. The, the league was incredibly competitive and incredibly close. We we finished in 8th place. Had we won one more game, we'd have finished in 5th. Oh, wow. So, so the difference between 5th and 10th was 5 points. Yeah. So, and, and it was like that through the entire season. And, and the DEL is, there's no salary cap and there's no draft. So the budgets dictate in most cases, it was you know before the NHL went to the salary cap you sure. had you had the teams that spent all the money trying to to build their teams and it 's the same thing uh, in Germany um, so the high budget teams have the the monetary advantage and as you 've seen in the NHL in, in previous years when there wasn't the salary cap it doesn 't always guarantee success, but it gives them uh, a leg up and uh, that's you know that 's where you um, some of the battles that some of the, the other teams have so um, that's just the nature of the league and you have to be able to build your team and, and put yourself in a position to compete.
1: You know Rob Klinkhammer's coming up in the next half hour he played in the KHL actually won the championship there obviously that league has uh, you know, kind of asserted itself as being maybe the best in Europe if, if you know top, top two or three. Uh, and you also you, know, you mentioned you were in Austria. How was the DEL? You know, I guess maybe
0: ranking leagues can be pretty pretty subjective. But how is the quality of hockey compared to other leagues you've seen there? It's, the quality of hockey in the DEL is excellent. I was really, and when I was in Linz in Austria, we played DEL teams quite on a regular basis in the preseason, and mm-hmm. and always fared fairly well against them. Um, and and the top teams in Austria would be very competitive in the DEL. The difference in, in, in the German league is the 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 teams are are much more competitive on balance okay like there's no real weak sisters um, and uh, the league itself, the KHL and the Swiss League, or sorry, the the Swedish leagues are, are, in my in my opinion, the top two leagues. And then after that, Switzerland, um, the DEL and Finland are very very comparable. I think that if you said one league was better than the other, um, you could say that, but there'd be an argument that sure. somebody could make for either one of the other two leagues. So, um, and it's a very high quality of play. I think that. Um, you, you, in in my opinion, I'd say that it uh, it's it's slightly better than the American League, and the reason I say that is the American League is full of young players, right? And uh, I mean there there's prospects there that are far superior to the ones that you find overseas, but uh, overall the the, the the overall quality of play is is a little bit higher because you've got more experienced players. Uh,
1: what was it twenty fourteen? You were on Manny Viviros' staff for the Austrian Olympic team. Yes, Am I remember that right. That's correct. And then you were coaching in Germany while the German team, granted without NHLers in the Olympics, but still, full credit, goes on this incredible run, nearly wins the gold medal. Should have won the gold should medal. should have won the gold
0: medal. Everybody in Germany says they should have so won the gold medal. So what was
1: it medal. like? Uh, I mean, hockey's not the sport in, in Germany, but what was it, what was it like uh, for fans during that run? Well, that's the
0: biggest difference. It, from Canada, I mean, it's hockey. Right. And uh, every other sport for the most part, is a niche sport. I mean, there are some... You know, the CFL's a great product and all of those things. And, but, and it's, it's the same thing in Germany. Soccer is the number one sport. And then hockey is secondary. And um, the fact that the German team was able to, to do as well as it did in the Olympics uh, had a huge impact on the image of German hockey, not only within the country itself, but worldwide. Because all of the players that played on the, on the German team were players from the DEL. So, they were all a lot of other teams had players that were playing in the KHL and came back to their, their home countries to play. But in Germany, it was all DEL players, and for them to have the success that they had, despite the Olympics being as it was, the Germans don't care. Yeah. They got a silver medal in the Olympics. And so, it had a huge impact on uh, on selling the game. Uh, in the country, and the same thing happened when I was in Austria when we defeated Germany, qualified for the Olympics. Uh, it was a monumental uh, sport upset, and that uh, had a, the same type of effect on hockey in Austria.
1: I got to ask you this, Rob. The team is the Ezerlone Roosters.
0: <laughs> you know. Yeah, we get up early. We pick your eyes out. <laughs> Nobody beats us to the rink. You got a pretty mean-looking
1: logo, don't you? We do.
0: If a rooster can be mean. <laughs>
1: You know, my dad, it's Father's Day, so I should throw this in my dad. One of my first memories of being a hockey fan was my dad telling me that penguins is an awful nickname for a team because a penguin's not a very mean bird. A rooster's, you know, a little more...
0: Yeah, there's a little, a little more a little strut. spunk there. Yeah. There's <laughs> cockfighting and those type of things. I mean, you can you can suggest that that's... Yeah, I hope you have a mascot. You must have an amazing we mascot. Have, we have a great mascot. He's a big rooster, Imagine as you that. might expect. Imagine that.
1: What, the, uh, what's what's the uh, what's your arena like? What's the attendance like?
0: Well, our the, the, our arena is not a not a great arena. There's some really top notch uh, rinks in the D. L. Mannheim, Cologne, Berlin. Uh, they all have st- NHL type facilities that are close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, ours would be in the. In the bottom third of the arenas in the league, and but we're about 95% capacity every night, and the fans are excellent. Mm-hmm. The fans in alone have a reputation for being the the die-hard fans in the in the DEL, and uh, they show up every night, and and uh, they perform.
1: Is this? Uh, one of the like athletic club situations where you have a soccer team and a handball team all under the same banner. How does it work?
0: No, loan is, is a small city. Okay, and basically hockey's the only the only game in town. Oh, nice. Okay, and so it's uh, it's it's the number one sport in the city. All right, uh, are you you're going back? Going back uh, July 21st, I think, I don't have my flight back yet. That's when the league starts, or the, the training camp starts beginning of August, and then the league starts middle of September.
1: Oh, wow, okay, so you get going early there. Yeah. Uh, now, is this one of those situations where the you mentioned there's no salary cap and no draft? Was this one of those situations where you have players on your team late in the season that have already signed with somebody else for next year, or do they try to limit that now? Because <laughs> you
0: know some of those stories. Oh, they're, and they're all they're all true, right? That's one of the most bizarre things about uh, about uh, the way things work in Europe, in compared to the way things are here. There's. Uh, those things happen on a on a regular basis. It's not unusual. When when I was coaching in Linz we had uh, we were playing the finals, um, and we already had a player that had signed in in Vienna for the next season. So that happens uh, on a regular basis. Uh, there's always uh, a, a gentleman's agreement that you're going to not talk to players until after the season's over but yeah right uh, yeah exactly it, it never works <laughs> that way so and it, it's it, it's very people people in in canada are familiar with the way the nhl works they wouldn't be able to comprehend the things that happen with regard to that in europe
1: rob uh, thanks a lot for coming in it was great to catch up with you all the best with the easer roosters next season we'll talk again thanks reed rob clinkhammers coming up inside sports on ched
0: You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chan.
1: Three and a half minutes left in the first quarter in Regina. The Toronto Argos leading the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 1-0. But the Riders... Second and nine from the Toronto 21. Calaro scrambles. Short pass is complete, but short of the first down. Flag on the play. So we'll see if the drive keeps going or not. Big thanks to Rob Dom for coming in studio. We'll keep following him with the Ezerlohn Roosters in Germany. The uh, U.S. Open, Dustin Johnson. Looking good going into the weekend. He has a four-shot lead, only player under par as he sits at uh, four under. Thanks to everybody at the Lynx in Spruce Grove today, all my colleagues here at 630 Shed, all the volunteers with Santa's Anonymous, the Gary Drager Memorial Golf Tournament raising $20,000 for 630 Shed Santa's Anonymous. Well, we'll continue our European vacation, so to speak. Former Edmonton Oiler Rob Clinkhammer spent the last season in the KHL and got to play for Canada in the Olympics Rob welcome back to the 630 Chet airwaves how are you doing I'm doing great thanks for having me well it's good to have you on the show again obviously got to know you a little bit during your uh, your stint with the Edmonton Oilers three four years ago and I know a lot of people were cheering for you in an Olympic uniform a few months ago and you had a pretty exciting year in the KHL I want to I want to get to just all of those things but first uh, you know how, how are you and your family doing I remember uh, you you had a you had a son while you were playing for the Oilers. How's everybody keeping?
2: Yeah, we're doing awesome. Um, I have two boys now, um, so you know life's pretty busy just chasing them around. Uh, they're about three and one years old, so um, just enjoying being home for uh, what's left of the summer and. Uh, yeah nothing nothing too fancy just living a simple life i got in lethbridge
1: Yo, well, <laughs> that sounds good so uh, i know people appreciate that you're, you're still uh, coming home for the summers and, and you've kept alberta and lethbridge as your home for sure you know tra- traveling in the nhl is is one thing and, and being away from your family sometimes but was it a it must have been a totally different experience playing in europe or did the family get to come be with you a little bit at all what was that like
2: uh, yeah, no, the family definitely comes with me. I don't know if I could uh, if I could go like a few years over there without them. It'd be uh, it'd be too hard. Family is number one for me. You know, just being with my wife and kids every day kind of helps you get through hockey, and it takes your mind off of everything. So um, yeah, like you said, the travel is a little different over there. It's uh, traveling over there, the other side of the world is a pretty tough day on. You know, it's tough on myself, but it's uh, it's hell on the kids and stuff. And then doing the time change just kills my wife trying to get them adjusted and stuff. So it's not a very fun week, but uh, we uh, you know we get through it, and uh, it's all worth
1: it. Now you mentioned the kids are, are three and one, still pretty young. Uh, there's the three year old starting to get an idea what dad's been doing for a living, or, or not not quite there yet? <laughs>
2: Uh, nah. well, he, he knows I play hockey. Like he, uh, he gets to come to the hockey games and he, he enjoys himself, but he, he really likes it cause he gets like popcorn and burgers and an ice cream. Like he kind of knows the routine, like first period he gets a burger, second period it's a popcorn and <laughs> then dessert later. So I think that's the part he enjoys about it the most. So they'll, uh, I, I think they'll appreciate it a little, maybe if I'm still playing when he's a little older, but, uh, Maybe when they look back, like when they're 15, 16, and when I'm retired and stuff, uh, I think that they'll appreciate it a little more then.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people have a routine of, of visiting the concession stand at certain points in a hockey game. The, the beverages might be different as they get older, but uh, but so he's he's falling in line. He's falling yeah, in, the line. Not he's not falling in the line in in one way for sure. Uh, Rob, you know, I mentioned obviously uh, your time with the Edmonton Oilers, and then for the sixteen seventeen season, you wound up going to the KHL. You know, take me back to that decision. I, I imagine it probably wasn't wasn't an easy one at the time. I'm sure you had some some options to weigh. Um, um, what was the, the clincher that said, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take my career to Europe here?
2: Um, well, I just I kind of felt, uh, unfortunately, my time in the NHL had come to an end. Um, and I didn't really want to go, you know, in the minors and try and, and grind it out on a two-way and just to, for a couple, you know, for like a call-up for like 10 games and just be stressed about that the whole year. Uh, I kind of had done that, and it was getting old, so it um, seemed like the next step you know everyone says the the KHL is the uh, second best league outside the NHL so I thought why not plus we get to travel a bit see some of the world and obviously obviously you know the finances come into it I wasn't making like 3-4 million bucks a year in uh, the NHL you know I was, I was making league minimum which is obviously still great money but that's not going to last me and my family our whole lives so uh, you know I still got to put food on the table for the future and you know hopefully set us up for later but uh that's kind of where I was at at that
1: point Rob Klinkhammer joining us tonight on inside sports so you, you go to the KHL uh, I know uh, Minsk first and then and then Kazan and when we'll get to the great year you had with Kazan what was the the biggest I and mean, I know you touched on some of the, the time changes and family adjustments w- what was the biggest adjustment once you got to, to Russia and the KHL w- would you say it was a hockey adjustment or would you say it was lifestyle adjustments <laughs>
2: Everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> everything's a huge adjustment over there. Especially, like, not even going to, like, Europe's a bit of an adjustment, but, like, going to, you know, Belarus. It's not Russia, but it's, like, it's basically Russia for, you know, North American uh, terms, you know. You might as well call it Russia. When you're there, it's it's uh, not quite, but it's very close. But um, it's a beautiful city, Minsk. Like, I loved it there. Uh, I got really lucky. Uh, we had a North American coach uh, Craig Woodcroft and the staff and stuff, so that was huge for the adjustment of me because uh, hockey there is very, very different. and you know you see a lot of guys go over there and it's just the style is so different. Um, it takes guys a long time to adjust. and as an import in that league, you have uh, you got a lot of more pressure on you and if you if you're not producing or you're not fitting in right away, um, you know you'll be out of there at some point so um, it was huge to have like a good city we had a lot of North Americans on the team I think when I went there we had about six or seven imports North American coaching staff that uh, were really patient with me and worked with me and helped me adjust so um, that, that was huge and obviously the lifestyle completely different obviously the uh, the language barrier is is the biggest issue. Um, you take communication for granted. Living in North America your whole life, and then you go over there and you, you can't even ask like where the toilet is or where a grocery store is. So it's kind of things you gotta get used to. You, you look, pick up a little bit of language, just how to ask for certain things and. Um, just the differences in culture is always a bit of a shock at first, but we adjusted uh, fairly quickly, and, I mean, we're still adjusting. Things are done so differently there, but um, it's, it's been a pretty good adventure for, for our family.
1: Um, I, I You know, I, I never used to ask this question, but then a few months ago I was interviewing Tyson Nash about playing in Japan, and I asked him this question, and I got an incredible answer. So I'm going to ask you, What was the cuisine, was the food, something you had to get used to, or, or what happened on those lines? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what, I was actually, i obviously you hear horror stories and stuff, um, but I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, the restaurants there, in like if you go to a nice restaurant in Russia, or Minsk, or that part of the world, the food is so good, so going out to eat, the food is amazing, um, in my opinion. And then uh, the grocery stores are a bit of an adjustment. They just the selection isn't there um there's not you know not everything's going to be there all the time if there's a box of cereal your kid likes and they have it there you got to buy like four of them because it might not be there for three months
1: so okay
2: little things like that that's a little a little strange to me um things that you know you picked up from the other imports they say okay you like this and I, i became a bit of an importer exporter which is kind of funny. So I would uh, buy the snacks. My kid, like, whenever we would go to a European city, I would go out and buy the snacks that he would like, or uh, I really like to drink uh, organic coffee, so I would bring a whole bunch of that back. Uh, a funny thing is, like, peanut butter and almond butter, like, that's really hard to find over there. So I'd have to bring back, like, a suitcase of peanut butter and stuff. So little things like that is kind of funny. But I actually found the food uh, quite similar, and I was, like I said, I was really
1: surprised by it. Interesting stuff. A suitcase full of peanut butter. That's that's quite an image. Hopefully in the jars, right? Not just <laughs> poured out yeah, into the suitcase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the jars. Nothing.
2: Nothing's broke yet. I'm still doing that where I am. So. You don't know, knock on wood. Hopefully nothing breaks,
1: and you don't want peanut butter oil all over your. Uh Close when I get back. <laughs> uh, Rob Klinkhammer joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, Hockey-wise, you know the standard question obviously is 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 the different ice surface. You, you're uh, you know you're a really fast skater. I don't know if that was uh, an adjustment for you. I know some players say, well, uh, something that might be considered a good body check in the NHL might be a penalty in some European leagues. What were some of those things like?
2: Um, I wouldn't say the body checking per se Um, obviously it's much less physical in the KHL, I can't really speak for other leagues uh, about the physical, or physicality of everything, but um, just the the style of the KHL is so unique to anywhere outside of the world Um, last year in Minsk we went to the Spangler and like, we were playing the Swiss teams and it was so much faster than the KHL Um, the KHL is very slow, controlled I wouldn't say very slow, but it's it's much slower, controlled, uh, a lot of trapping. Um, you know, there's not a ton of, like, heavy forward checking. Or, uh, like I said, there's not, there's not a lot of big hits. You can still get caught out there, so you got to keep your head up. But that's not the main thing. Like, it's all about puck possession. And, you know, the top teams, uh, i see St. Petersburg with Chuck and stuff, they'll turn back in the neutral zone, like, three or four times and not even think about it. 95% of the time, it's getting dumped in. Whereas here, you know, there's there's still dumping and chasing, but there's not nearly as much, and there's a lot of turnbacks, a lot of trapping, and waiting in the neutral zone.
1: Okay yeah, let's, let's touch on, on the Olympics here Obviously the NHL didn't go And that opened the door for guys like you Who, are, who were playing in Europe when, when you first even thought Rob And saw your name on the, on the list of being a candidate It must have been pretty exciting I mean was that uh, I, I assume that must have been a goal for you To make the team how, how was it like sort of going through that process Of trying to stand out And, and try to be picked for the Olympic team
2: Yeah so um, obviously it was very nerve-wracking and
1: um,
2: <laughs> when uh, that got set in stone that the NHL wasn't going, I obviously really wanted to go. It's the opportunity of a lifetime and something that I never thought I'd have a chance to do. Um, so I got to go to one of the first tournaments. It was in Sochi in August. Um, and it was just awesome being there. That was the first time I'd ever got to put on a Canadian jersey. Uh, you know, 31 years old, never had a chance at the international play. So it was thrilling for me just even that tournament just to put the jersey on was such an honor um but then we you know we had the trials i think we had three more tournaments during the year and a ton of exhibition games and i ended up getting selected uh and i can't say enough good things about it or hockey canada um we got treated so well they took care of us you know obviously amazingly um it's funny we were we were treated was uh by far the best out of all the international teams um hockey canada did a great job and um it was an experience of a lifetime like i say you know just everything from just living in the village to uh opening ceremonies obviously the, ho- the hockey was incredible um it didn't really it didn't finish the way we wanted obviously uh, i think everyone remembers that game against germany which is really unfortunate but uh obviously i wouldn't trade that experience in for anything in the world where's the bronze medal right now (laughs) uh it's sitting in my house i get i get asked that question a lot i think it's just sitting in uh, my bedside table or something like i got it and i I take it around to my family and stuff like that but uh you know it's just in my house right now Uh, maybe we'll get it framed up later something like that but it's it's pretty cool to have an
1: olympic medal amazing stuff and then obviously you go back to your club team uh i mentioned you you in the khl you you wound up with uh, akbar's kazan and you guys won the championship and you scored the, the championship clinching goal i mean what, what what an ending to the season tell me about that tell me about the goals, because i think it was a one nothing game and you got the only goal what was what was the goal like what was it one like to win the championship in that league
2: um yeah it was it was amazing um Um, i I haven't had that much fun playing hockey um i never thought i'd go to russia and have that much fun but the playoff run for us was just awesome Uh, i think probably like 90 percent of our games were one goal games um all four rounds it was everything was super close but we just uh ended up coming up on the right side of a one goal game every night so it was obviously very stressful and and thrilling but i had a ton of fun and um, the last goal was just I was just standing in front we we're on the power play I'm a net front guy and it, I actually uh Anton Lander uh former Oilers legend was uh, working the half wall there and he kind of just threw it in front and I got a stick on it tipped it in I might have went five hole or under the goalie's pad or something and that was uh that was a championship goal so it was simple you know just like my game is but uh you know i got lucky and got to ended up getting the winner there
1: awesome stuff uh, what, what was the celebration like anything like what the capitals have been doing with the stanley cup or maybe a little different
2: <laughs> <laughs> no it wasn't that crazy uh, it's kind of funny <laughs> it just seems a lot of come there Steel Vetskin, and you know those guys i'm following on social media they're having the time of their life so good for them they they uh, deserve it but um No, it was right after the game, we had uh, a big celebration, and Russian parties are a lot different than North American parties, it's like really, uh, there's always entertainment, like live entertainment, so there was like break dancers and um, like guys like working like uh, bartenders that do like the spins and flips with the cups and bottles and everything, like kind of like cocktail, that movie with Tom Cruise, And, and... and then there was, like, a light show and, like, karaoke. It's it's kind of wild. But then we didn't do anything for, like, a week. And uh, we ended up all just going home. And then they they ended up having the parade on May 30th. So I didn't mean that there's one other Canadian on the team. We didn't get to attend it because, um, obviously, we're not going to fly 30 hours just for uh, a parade. So it was kind of unfortunate. I, I missed it, but... Uh, that's just the way they do things over there it's, you know it's a little different but a little different than the uh, Stanley Cup celebrations
1: alright well it sounds like you had quite an experience Rob thanks for catching up with us I, I know Oilers fans are, are happy to hear from you just quickly do you, are any plans for next year do you have a I know the contracts work a little differently do you have a team for next year what's going on
2: uh, yeah I'm going back to Kazan actually uh, when I got traded there I re-signed a two year deal there so I'm back in Kazan for another season, and uh, you know, hopefully we, we can do another deep playoff run. I've, I've enjoyed my time there. Uh, it's a great setup for the family. It's a really nice city. So uh, I head back in about three or four weeks here and then start the season up
1: again. Well, Rob, thanks a lot for making time for us here at Inside Sports. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You had an incredible season. All the best to you and your family.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me.
1: That is Rob Klinkhammer. Man, great to catch up with him. Quite a uh, year he had in the KHL and playing in the Olympics. While we're doing that interview, a trade in the NHL. And it is Alex Galchenyuk being traded by Montreal to Arizona for Max Domi. Alex Galchenyuk, third overall in 2012. Max Domi, 12th overall in 2013. Their uh, recent goal-scoring stats, uh, not comparable. Galchenyuk, the last three years, starting from the most recent season, 19, 17, and 30 goals. Domi's three years in the NHL, 9, 9, and 18 goals. Uh, Points-wise, this past season, a little closer Galchenyuk had 51 points, Domi had 45, uh, but Domi, who showed promise in 15-16 as a rookie, scoring 18 goals, only 18 goals combined the last two seasons, Galchenyuk had 19 this past year. So that's the news from the NHL tonight. Max Domi to Montreal, Alex Galchenyuk to Arizona. This is Inside Sports on Chet.
0: home for breaking news and expert opinion inside sports with
2: reed wilkins on 630
1: chad all right so here's the deal we're talking about in the nhl tonight arizona sends max domi underperforming goal scoring wise for the past two years to the montreal canadians for alex galchenyuk who's uh you know been a Pretty decent player for the Habs. Doesn't put up uh, eye-popping numbers, but he does have a 30-goal season from a couple of years ago. Uh, Max Domi is uh, a restricted free agent. Alex Galchenyuk has two years left on his contract. Does make quite a bit of money. $4.9 million cap hit. So that's the deal tonight. Alex Galchenyuk from Montreal to Arizona. Max Domi from Arizona to Montreal. U.S. Open, two rounds in the books. Dustin Johnson has the lead. He's four under par. Scott uh, Scott Piercy and Charlie Hoffman are both even. So a nice four-shot bulge for Dustin Johnson. Going into the weekend, the Rough Riders lead Toronto 4-1, halfway through the second quarter in Regina. Two more CFL games tomorrow, Hamilton in Calgary and Montreal at BC. World Cup today, Spain and Portugal, great game, tied 3-3. Ronaldo with a hat trick for Portugal, Uruguay over Egypt 1-0. Iran uh, Iran beat Morocco 1-0. Just checking the Edmonton Prospects game here. Uh, They must still be in a delay. Because the scoreboard for the Western Major Baseball League has the game scoreless in the top of the first. Thanks to everybody who helped out, volunteered, took part in the Gary Dreger Memorial Tournament, helping to raise... $20,000 for 630 Chet Senna's Anonymous at the Lynx in Spruce Grove. And yes, the Prospects game uh, actually just getting underway. Started about 10 minutes ago, so no score to report against Lethbridge. Thanks to Rob Klinkhammer for checking in tonight. Appreciate Rob Dom coming into studio. You also heard from Ryan Wagman from McKean's Hockey and Blake Dermott breaking down the Eskimos thriller over Winnipeg last night. Eskimo's Coaches Show, 7.30 on Monday with Jason Moss and Morley Scott. I'll have Inside Sports from 6 to 7.30. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Hey, Bob, happy Father's Day. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.